Um, uh, three weeks ago now, I asked everyone this question, and I'm gonna, going to ask this question again to you and ask you to a little bit of audience participation. Now, raise your hand if you would say that occasionally or maybe even often you experience financial stress in your life. Okay? Uh, that seems to be pretty normal. The, the reality is most people in our society today kind of have this, uh, this financial stress in our life. You see it in almost everyone that you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Um, that's considered absolutely normal. Uh, having monthly payments is normal. Debt is normal. Worry and anxiety and fear, especially in our uh, economic situation, um, is just kind of normal as well. And as we discussed uh, in the previous weeks, we've kind of determined that normal just isn't really working out very well for us, is it? And maybe we need to start thinking about things in a different way. Last week, we talked about four different reasons why people don't go to church. Anybody remember what reason number four was from last week? It's okay if you don't. Because all the church talks about is money. Well, welcome. Um, we're... <laughs> So if you're new to church, I, I want to tell you that, that we don't always talk about money. In this series of Margin, this is the, one of the things we're covering and welcome today on this day. But we're not going to talk about money. We're going to talk about financial margin. Wink, wink, right? But in, in reality, and, and ultimately, I want to suggest that, that we're really going to talk about something far more important than money. Okay? We're going to talk about something that, that matters a, a lot more. Throughout this series, we've been working with the definition, and this definition, I invite you to, you can write this down in your bulletin and then follow along as well. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. The difference between what you have and what you need. So financially, if you earn $4,000 a month and you spend $3,500 a month, you have $500 worth of margin. If you earn $4,000 and spend $4,000, what's your margin? And if you make $4,000 and you spend $4,500, that's a completely different topic we should talk about at some other time. But, but the reality is we all have financial, we, we all deal with finances and margin is the difference that we need. It's, it's the difference between what we have and what we need. But what does that look like in our everyday life? Well, it, it's like having money left over at the end of the month, right? As the country song says, uh, it, my problem is I have too much month at the end of the money, right? We need to kind of flip that around. We need to have money left over at the end of the month. Uh, margin in your finances is having money available to help someone who is in need. It's having the ability to give without feeling all stressed out when you give. It, it could be having uh, the financial margin available to, to do something that you enjoy or to be able to, to purchase something that would help you to uh, have margin in your schedule like we talked about a few weeks ago. As a church, we, our, our mission and vision is to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. And we seek to do that by, by being relevant to what's going on in the lives of people. We present the truth and, and the grace of God's word. And we try to do that in exciting and applicable ways. And in the same way, we need to keep margin in our schedules that we've talked about. How we need to aggressively seek those who are far from the Lord and, and provide welcome environments that we talked about last week. We need margin in our finances as well. Proverbs 21, verse 20. The text says this. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. 
but a foolish man devours all he has. Now, notice what the text does not say. What it says is in the house of the wise there is margin. What it does not say is that in the house of the wealthy there is margin. It doesn't say in the house of the two-income family is more than enough. It doesn't say in the house of the six-figure income are stores of choice, oil, and food. The Bible says in the house of the wise. There's a wise way that we can manage the finances that have been entrusted to us. And there's a foolish way to manage what God has entrusted to us. A foolish person devours all he has. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6... We read the words of Paul as he's describing what is the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. And and he says these words, uh, beginning in verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I think it's interesting, again, what Paul did not say. Paul did not say that it was decent gain or acceptable gain. Instead, he says it's great gain. It's a big deal. This godliness with contentment is a big deal, and it is a great gain. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. That's great gain. According to what he's writing there, that is great gain. And if you do those things, you are considered wise. And then he goes on to talk about those who are foolish, those who maybe look like they have it all together, but the reality, they don't. In verse 9, it says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, now hear that, okay? That verse is just butchered all the time. It doesn't say for money, it says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. What kind of griefs? What are those many griefs? What are the griefs that we see in our society today? Well, we see debt causing a lot of people tremendous grief. We see financial pressure causing tremendous grief. We see financial stress and financial strain and uh, all these things over money causing tremendous grief in the lives of people. We see people who are unable to enjoy the blessings of life because they're always worried about margin. They're always worried about how they don't have margin in their finances. They're worried about money. And the scriptures talk about how we can live foolishly or how we can live as a wise person. So what's the problem? Why is it that so often we are willing to trade what God has to offer to us, uh, this, this margin, this, this flexibility, and this peace, why do we trade those things for material things that, that they, don't just, they just don't last? Why do we do that? Well, I think one of the reasons we do that is because our culture is really good at consistently and constantly feeding us this lie. They're, they're telling us that what we need to be happy is more than I currently have, right? What does it take to be happy? One dollar more, right? Isn't that the quote? Just a little bit more. More than I currently have. That's what the world is telling us. Regardless of what you have, you just need a little bit more. If you could obtain something or have something else, then you would be happy. Our culture and our society tells us that you deserve it. You, you are worth it. You deserve to be happy. If you can't afford it, just make payments. You need this now because having it now will make you happy. And here's the crazy thing. 
We have more in our society today, and people have more than we ever have in history, with more on the way, and people are as miserable as they have ever been. What happened? I think in our culture, most of us have a lifestyle that that we continually push past our financial margin. Most people would say, I just simply don't make enough money, right? If only I could make more. Have you, you don't have to raise your hand, all right? But have you ever thought that? Man, if I could just make a little bit more. But then what happens? We make a little bit more. And then what do we say? Well, if I could only make just a little bit more. You see, we, we continually push that, that margin in. And we don't have an income problem. I really don't think we do because if you make more than, if you make $37,500 a year or more, you're in the upper 4% of the world. So it's really not an income problem. What we have is, is a lifestyle problem because as our income goes up, our lifestyle goes up. We consume the margin. We have a lifestyle problem. And, and if we really want to drill down, it's not an income problem. And I don't really think it's a lifestyle pro- problem. I think what it really is, is we have a spiritual problem. We just simply have a spiritual problem. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. Which is really kind of the opposite of what we're taught and what we pursue in our culture and our society today, right? It's store up more. Try to to get more. uh, Have more. Do more. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we believe we're supposed to do. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. That's foolish. He says, instead, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. According to uh, one of the the studies that I read, uh, the average American gives, the the average person in the United States gives about 2% of their income toward God. So that means 98% of the average person is consumed in self or in the world. I read one person who who wrote this. Is it any wonder why we want more of the world and we seem satisfied with having just a little bit of God? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We, We think that having more of what the world is going to offer to us is going to make us happy, but it just, it just won't. So what do we do? What do we do about this? How do we create financial margin, which is which is my kind of talk this morning. Uh, Once I say this, you're going to say to yourself, or you may say out loud, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? You're going to be so glad you came to church today. But I have to say it anyway because it's the truth. And one way that we can create financial margin is you either earn more or spend less. Right? You would have never thought of that before. But that's what will work. One, both, either. It doesn't really matter. Earn more or spend less. And and you know that already, but we just don't do that in our life, do we? That's just not the way we live our life. And I would suggest it's because there's something deeper at play. And I want to suggest that if you're going to create margin in your finances, the very simple answer is this. You must put God first in your finances. Now, I'm going to take a time out and step outside of this for just a moment, especially if you're visiting with us and this is your first time here. I have said this before. You'll hear me say it again, but I'm saying it now as well. This is not about your money. We're not after your money, okay? If you don't want to give your money to this church, don't, all right? 
Because it's not about you giving money to this church. This is about what God wants to do in your life and through you and how he wants to transform your life so that your heart and your life and everything can revolve around him. So this is not a plea for you to put more money in the offering plate. This is a plea for you to look at what God would have you to do with your life and then start doing it. And if you don't want to give your money here, you find somewhere else. You find somewhere else that's doing God's work and you give it to them. We're good with that, all right? So please hear me. This is not about us wanting your money because that's just not what this is about. This is about what God wants to do in your life. I believe we need to put God first in our life, in in everything. Because we live in a society where if you want it, you'll get it, right? If you want it, just charge it, baby. You got it. So that's, that's, what, that's how we live our life. We just go and we get. And then if we have anything left over, we might give God a little bit, right? We'll give him maybe what's left over. But in reality, we're called to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if we seek him first, And I'm not just talking about finances. That's why we talked about finances last, because I wanted you to see that this is important in all of everything that we do. If we will create margin in every area of our life, when we honor God with our schedules, when when we take that break, and and as I've encouraged you to do, and I still encourage you to do this week as well, to spend at least five minutes a day where you are being still before God and just, just being before him and just be still and know that he is God. And that breaks the idolatry of the busyness that we, we are so consumed with, where we have to be busy and productive and, and feeling like if we ever stop, then we're doing something wrong. That's why we encourage you to, to spend at least five minutes a day reading God's word to center yourself back on what God has to say to you. And if you don't know what to read, read the proverb of the day. Today's February 2nd. Read Proverbs chapter 2. Read through the Psalms, read the Gospel of John, read one of the epistles, read the story about Nehemiah or Esther, read something, but, but it's about creating that time in your schedule so that you devote it to God. It's about what we talked about last week, where we are seeking people who are lost, who do not have a relationship with Christ, and how we're trying to create a welcoming environment where when people come through the doors, they know that they're welcomed and that they're loved not only by you, but by God as well. It's about more than just money. Money's so low on the list. We need to create our life around the opportunity of pursuing God first in all that we do so that we can create opportunities to help people discover and experience this life-changing love because that's what we're called to do. When we present grace and truth to people, we provide them with encouragement and accountability. When we enter into relationships with people, we gain the access and the privilege and the opportunity to give them a hug and then step on their toes to encourage them, right? When we have a holy discontent, we realize that the way things are are not the way that they should be. When we genuinely ask God, God, how would you have me handle the resources you have put in my care? When we do those things and we put him first, we have the opportunity to experience some incredible benefits in our life. And I want to suggest just three of those benefits this morning of of how when we put God first, and in this particular context, when we put God first financially, what those benefits are. First one is this, we experience God's blessings. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the scripture tells us, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, a tithe is considered 10%. I know there are some of you out there that we've had this discussion before. 
you want to have it again, we'll talk offline. But it's, you know, 10%. Yes, it's not the mandate. It's what they talked about in the Old Testament. What does it really mean? Uh, anyway, we're going to say that the tithe is 10%, just for the, the, the case of argument here this morning, okay? And God says to bring that into my storehouse, to, to bring that to him. And I can almost imagine this conversation that God is having with whoever God has conversations with, saying, you know what, when I tell them this, they're going to think that that's silly. They're going to think that that's unreasonable. They're going to think that they know better and that they can handle it better. And then God continues. He says, but watch this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. What does tithing do? What does giving back to God do? What does bringing our first and our best to God do? To me, it says that that God is going to take that and then he's going to bless the rest of it. It teaches us and it trains us that God can do more with 90% than we could ever do with 100%. Tithing builds our faith. It's one of the most tangible and practical ways we can put God first because it, it challenges us and causes us to have to rearrange our life around God. It causes us to have to say no to some of the things of this world so we can say yes to putting God first. The biblical, honorable, faithful tithe, returning to percent to God, that of which he is entrusted to us. And, and I want to suggest that as we give, and as we give back to God, it breaks the power of materialism, it breaks the power of consumerism in our life, it breaks the powers that, that cause us to, to go to those places and to do those things where our money has been going, and, and we give that back to God instead. And here's the hard part. Here's kind of, you know, one of those rubber meets the road moments. The temptation is to rationalize it and say, okay, okay, all right. I want to give, and I have no doubt that you want to give, but the problem is we say, when I have the margin, then I will start giving. Is that what we say? When I have the extra, then I will start giving. But when will you ever have extra? We don't, because we consume it as soon as we get it. The fact of the matter is we need to start now in giving. Because that breaks the very thing that leads us to this financially marginless life that we're living. God builds faith in our life. And and I believe that you will see God's hand and his work and his provision as you put him first, as you give to him first. You will see his blessing. And that may show up in many different forms. I have to tell you that to date, and maybe it'll happen, but to date... In all that we have given, I've never had a Brinks truck back up through our door and say, here you go, right? God's never chosen to bless us that way, but he's blessed us in a lot of other ways. A lot of ways that money could never buy, money couldn't even touch. Far better than financial, whatever could ever do. The things God has provided, his blessings that he's poured out, they're amazing. You just have to be willing to look for them. You have to be willing to trust him. Which leads me to the second benefit of putting God first. Um, the second benefit is we become content. When you seek him and when you pray and when you ask for his divine direction and his wisdom, then he helps you to, to do with the resources he entrusted you what he would have you to do. And you become content. Proverbs 15, verse 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. The truth is, 
I think very few people in our society believe that verse to be true. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a little with margin than a lot with stress. Better a little with peace than bigger with turmoil. Better something paid for than the stress of debt. Better something with the fear of the Lord than with what everyone else wants or what everyone else has. As we read earlier, godliness with contentment is marginal gain. No. It's great gain. It's contentment. The the world says that having more will make you happy, but you can never get there. God says happiness is being content in what you already have. What you have, having that margin is better. For some of you, I know because we've had this discussion, it means driving an older car. For some of you, it means cutting up your credit cards and using cash, regardless of how many reward dollars or miles they give you. It's setting a budget and then creating margin because that is better. It's better when something breaks down that you don't have the stress of figuring out how you're going to pay for it because you have the margin to fix it. It's better to have the ability to give. It's better to have the ability to help someone who is in need, to have the joy that you experience whenever you're able to meet someone's need and you give it away. It's better to live with less and have peace than to fight with your spouse all the time because there never seems to be enough. It's just better. When you seek God first and when you get closer to God, you have the opportunity to experience his presence, his provision, his blessing, and in a very amazing way, you become content. The third benefit, you end up with what matters. You just simply end up with what really matters in life. You may not have what everyone else has materialistically, but you have what everyone else truly needs spiritually. You end up with more of what matters. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 18, God is talking about wisdom. And he says that with me, and he's talking about wisdom, are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, and what I yield surpasses choice silver. Essentially, God is saying that the things he gives to us in life through his blessings are better than anything you could seek and obtain in this world. When you seek him first with your life, instead of seeking after the things that don't really matter in our life, then we are filled with the things that truly matter, and we're not filled with those things that just make us feel empty even after we have obtained them. When you have time margin, when you have financial margin, you will spend and invest your time with people you love. You will invest in the things that are the most important. You will be rich relationally. You will be rich spiritually. You will be rich in the things that ultimately truly matter. And that happens when we put God first. You understand the joy of celebrating when someone turns their life over to Christ. You encourage one another. You engage in meaningful conversation. You extend grace to people and you encourage people to pursue a relationship with God when you put him first and you have margin in your life to do these things. And when you do those things, this is what happens. Instead of just consuming, you start contributing. You find out how powerful it is because you know if you've ever experienced this and you've seen other people that it's true. It truly is more blessed to give than to receive. We talked about this in our small group a couple of weeks ago, how much fun it is when we as individuals and as families and as a small group, when we give away to other people and we watch the blessings in other people's lives. And as I was thinking about this and as I was reading other stories and trying to find stuff, I could not come up with a single emotional story, either personally 
or that someone told me about how amazing it was when they consumed everything. If you've been here long enough, you know I get emotional about stuff. And watching when people give and the blessings, that's just one of those things. It's one of those things that gets me. Our family, we've had the opportunity to give to people over the years and still today. We've had the the opportunity to, to see how giving from our margin and then also giving from sacrifice, how it's been a blessing to other people. How going without really doesn't hurt as bad as we thought it was going to hurt. We've been able to partner with, with other organizations to make an impact in our community. I've had the opportunity, because being, of being a pastor, to be the middleman between the people with margin and the people in need. And I've been able to watch both sides of the equation. Can I tell you how much fun that is? To watch the person who gives that is just excited because they, they experience the joy of giving. To see the gratitude in the people that receive it. And most of the time the people are like, I'm going to figure out a way to give back myself. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. We need to put ourselves in a position where we can give. I think far too often we make a bad trade. We trade what God desires for us to have and what we desire, we trade those. We trade what God wants us to have for the things of the world that don't last. It's a bad trade to give up the blessing of margin for those things that don't last. And there are so many of you here today, as just kind of scan through the audience, that that you get this. You understand how much fun it is to give away. And I truly believe that, that you desire to give more. I know some of you have offered to, to sponsor a student to go to CIY or to winter camp or to do different things because you get it. You understand that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I just want to suggest to you this morning that when we put God first, we will experience his blessing and, and you learn how to be content in a way that you never, ever dreamed before because you have more of what truly matters. But here's what it comes down to. I I truly believe that the choice is yours. The choice is yours on what you do. It's not an income problem. It's really not even a lifestyle problem. It's it's a choice we make. Who are we going to put first? Are we going to put ourselves first or are we going to put God first? I would suggest to you, from everything I know about the scripture, that putting God first is better. And so as we wrap up this series and as we wrap up today, I just want to leave you with this, with these questions. Is God first in your life? Is he your king? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Is he reigning in your life? Is he first? The reality is when it comes to debt, I'm not talking about financial debt, but when it comes to real debt, we all have a debt. We all have a debt because of our sin in our life. And it separates us from God. And yet Jesus came to this earth to pay the penalty of our debt so that we could be redeemed and so that we could be his children and so that it would be permanently forgiven and our sins would be washed away. And Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And he did that not just so we could punch a ticket and go to heaven someday. He did that to transform our life here on earth today.
so that we could experience the joy and the blessing and the life that he offers us, which is life to the full. There is no thing in this world that will ever satisfy the longing of your heart. And if you're searching today, you may not even know what you're searching for. I'm just going to tell you it's Jesus. And we have the privilege of offering you an invitation to respond to him today, to, to receive what he is offering you, to enter into that life relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so the choice is yours. If you want to talk to someone about receiving Jesus in your life for the first time, if you want to talk to someone about a prayer request, if you just want someone to talk to, just to listen and to walk with you through whatever you're going through, we want to have that opportunity. And we extend to you the invitation this morning. Stand with me. If you want to talk to anyone for any reason, we invite you to make your way over here to the cross. We'd love to meet you there. Let's sing.